between make a truce? You're going to say, absolutely not. <laughs> you know, White flags around here, just red ones. <laughs> I decide when it's I me. wait. I'm the red flag. <laughs> Have you seen those things? They're like, what are your significant other's beige flags? Yeah, I've What's seen plenty your of that. beige flags? I have none. They're all, <laughs> They're all red. <laughs> They're all red or green. I don't do anything in between, and chaotic, y'all should know that by now. <laughs> chaotic, evil, or chaotic. <laughs> Good. <laughs> I love chaotic, neutral people. I am not one of those people. <laughs> Welcome back to the Let's Call It Nothing podcast, where we discuss all things fangirl. You say it's okay if she convert, but if I had a sneeze, it's not. No. Say anything about it. You better say get it out. I'm. <laughs> I don't know how it managed. <laughs> what is happening? <laughs> Our twin telepathy's kicked in. Such a bad taste in my mouth. <laughs> It was toxic waste. <laughs> For those, I don't know if this is staying in, but I burped and I'm a good, what, three feet away from you? <laughs> I don't know how you got the taste. No, I think it was mine, like slowly coming out because it wouldn't come out. And it tasted so bad. And then my face and Reba was just like, what am I missing? <laughs> everything. I do. I always miss everything. Chaos. It's the twin powers. <laughs> You think talk, you two talk about things that I have no idea what you're talking about. No, uh, me and Peyton earlier, we were getting ready to do an Instagram post because we got a really good idea mm-hmm. and we're really excited about it. And then the oven goes off and we both look at each other and go, the cookies. <laughs> and then as we're getting ready for it, we kept on forgetting about them. <laughs> Because we were so excited. And then I was staying at the oven. I was like, I want to shoot this, but the cookies, they still need to go. <laughs> and she was like, I know. We'll leave them in there. Turn the oven off. Just leave them in there. Let them bake a little bit. And I was like, great idea. <laughs> they did burn a little bit. Just a little bit, though. But we got some gold out of it. Anyway, mm-hmm. I'm Caitlin. <laughs> I'm Peyton. I'm Reba. Welcome to our podcast. We're going to discuss fourth wing. <laughs> and if you don't know, me and Caitlin aren't actually twins. It's going to be so funny because we're getting along right now. <laughs> Give it, it five won't. minutes. We're about to fight. <laughs> Feelings are going to be hurt. Remember whenever we did Silver Flame? Silver Flames? Yeah. What's the name of the book? It, it is A Court of Silver Flames. How many yes. are there? What do you mean? How many? The fifth five books in the series? <laughs> is it Flame or Flames? <laughs> I think it's flames. I thought it had an S. Anyway, <laughs> remember how we were like, oh, we're going to fight? Mm-hmm. And then we... I was yeah. like, feelings are going to be hurt, and then they weren't. I kept, they will be I don't hurt know, this. <laughs> I don't know how we managed to, you know, save the friendship on that one, but we did. Just that one. <laughs> we were just bo- both very solid in our opinions. Mm-hmm. This one is so new to me. Mm-hmm. It's fresh. Yeah, that you were just... And I'm like, oh, I'm so glad about what this book has done for me. Like, I'm in my fantasy girl era. I said that earlier, and I glanced at the corner of my eye, and you were, like, holding it in. And I was just like, well, okay. Great. Love this. Yeah. That's all I'm going to say. Okay, so I think we talked about why we picked this book and everything. We're just Mm -hmm. like, oh, it's really popular. Yeah. And we wanted to read a book. That we hadn't read before. So we picked this one up. Well, mm-hmm. Also, we were still trying to enforce Caitlin into her fantasy era. I am proud. She'll be in there. I am proud that you have gotten to your fantasy girl era. <laughs> oh, Peyton and I decided that we're starting <laughs> Crescent City. Um, Whenever this episode comes out, yeah. I, we will be in the middle of reading it. Not the middle. No. That is, I will that be is 20 a- pages into it. Yeah. Um, so fantasy girl era. Anyway. We both reluctantly shook hands on it. <laughs> Caitlin's like, oh. Because you said October and I said 
It's like, okay, October 1st. No, Kaylin's in October 1st. And she said, that's in six days. I'm reading three books right now. And I was like, so am I, but I'm going to finish five books in the next week. That's not my problem. Like, you're not. (laughs) You guys are really pushing each other's buttons. (laughs) The red buttons. It's out of love. The red buttons. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, so we're going to be talking about Fourth Wing. We all Mm -hmm. have completed it, which I feel like it never happens. We're always in the middle of reading It has never happened, ever. Uh, Peyton was the first one to finish it, Mm -hmm. and then I picked it up. And then Reba picked it up. And at one point, the day she started it, we ended up on the same page. Yes. And I was like, (laughs) she's going to beat me. And at Mm -hmm. one point, like the next day, you, you were like... Caitlin, I'm not going to tell you what page I'm on. <laughs> and I was like, you're on page like 300. I already know. And you're like, no, like 280. And then you're like, later that night, done with it. <laughs> I finished. And I was like, ah. So then I felt the need. I was I was taking it slow, taking it easy, taking mm-hmm. it in. But then I was like, I have to finish this book. And it's 10 p.m. last Saturday, and mm-hmm. I'm trying to finish this book. Mm-hmm. And I've fallen asleep while reading it. And Reba had already warned me. She was like, okay, I'm shocked you've made it this far, but the last 100 pages are going to be a lot for you, Kaylin. <laughs> and they were. <laughs> At least I gave you I a warning. I anything. I know about some deaths. People are going to die. Yes. A lot of people yes. die. Um, you we should that pretty early on. You're like, oh, okay. We should. I should have done a body count on this. Yeah. Regrets were made. Yeah. And I should start off by saying I did enjoy this book. You're not going to get that message from her, though. <laughs> no, you no, won't. You are not. You got you negative won't. Nelly in the house. I have to be. Like, I have. No, I have you some. Don't. You don't have to be. <laughs> I mean, I'm going to state my opinion do i think it's it's not my it's not a five star for me and i'll get into why and i'll get into we're about to have a fight why over why. A contrary to popular belief i don't hand out actual five stars like candy i yes. hand out good rates five stars like candy mm-hmm. <laughs> my actual five stars far and few between like i mm-hmm. i don't know i think the ones i've given this year I think one other was a new read. The other ones were rereads. Yeah. Like, I don't just hand them out. Mm -hmm. But, like, with this book, I was like, like, it has to do with, like, the experience and it, like, giving me what I need at the time. And a lot of them, it's, like, either a first, you know, Mm -hmm. foray into that author or that Mm -hmm. genre or something. Or, like me like restarting mm-hmm. you know and i was trying to get into my fantasy girl era yeah. and i had read a fantasy book last month and i mm-hmm. didn't like it yeah and I no was she like, didn't i was like oh no i'm fearful mm-hmm. and then i read fourth wing i read like the first 20 pages and i was like actually i really like this yeah like it's given me what i need right now mm-hmm. and i think like rebo was talking about it earlier that like it felt nostalgic in a way yeah where like Us readers who read, like, The Hunger Games back in the day, Mm -hmm. Throne of Glass back in the day, uh, Divergent. I had saw so many Divergent parallels in this book, which I loved that book whenever it came out. Mm -hmm. So I think, like, those of us who read those, reading this, it felt, like, you know, like, comforting in a way. So I think that's part of why I enjoyed it. Mm -hmm. It's, like, nostalgic almost. So I've seen stuff about how, like... Rebecca Yarrow, she doesn't write fantasy. This was her first yeah. time to like publish a fantasy book. People saying this was her way of getting non-fantasy readers into fantasy. 
Yeah. Like giving them something that isn't like too much. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, like has the tropes and stuff that people enjoy. I've also seen people explain that this is like a fantasy book for romance readers. You're going to um, not agree with that at all. No. But like, but like as far as like the tropiness and everything mm-hmm. and like, I, I like a little bit of uh, spice yeah. And like, not necessarily like the, the sex scenes in there, but just like <laughs> They're how, how she was so like open about it, mm-hmm. about just like, man, I need to get me some in these parts. Like, yeah. I, <laughs> I'm feeling some type of way. I'm like, I like that because it feels so like normal. It does. It just, it felt easy to read mm-hmm. for the most part for me, which I enjoyed. Mm-hmm. My opinion on my experience. Yeah. Reba, do you have anything to add to that before Peyton crushes all of our hopes and dreams? <laughs> no. You also gave it five stars, though. Yeah, I did. And you read it in, like, three days. Yep, I did. Wild. I was like, I'm, I'm happy for you. Yeah. It's <laughs> just like, Kayla was like, I'm glad she enjoyed something. Kayla was like, I've been reading this book for a week, and you've reached the same state as me in a day. <laughs> I'm telling you, if we all sat down and started the same book, it would be so funny. It would. I'd be like, page two. <laughs> Reba, go by uh, Crescent City and start it October 1st. <laughs> We're not going to talk about this on the pod. That's the funny part. <laughs> Maybe next season. <laughs> Reba's like, absolutely not. She said she was done with SJM. Yeah, if y'all don't know, Reba typically is not a huge fan of anything we talk about on the podcast. Oh, 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 she's thinking Midnight Sun. That was it. Uh, well, the other books we talked about in the podcast, like before Akotar, are ones that you've read. Yeah. I don't remember if I liked Throne of Glass. I did read it a long time ago. Mm-hmm. I can't remember how much I liked it, though. I'm talking a long time ago. <laughs> oh, I know. You read it like yeah. when I read it. Yeah. Which was a long time ago. Mm-hmm. I remember us being little tweeny boppers and Caitlin talking about, somebody stole my idea for an Assassin Cinderella. I remember that. <laughs> I just okay. That's not even uh, the thing. Was I had read Throne of Glass uh-huh. and I really enjoyed it, and you don't get that mm-hmm. vibe at all. The Assassin Cinderella. I love how we're talking about this on our fourth wing episode. <laughs> um, but I love to read Sarah J. Mass's blog, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and uh, like you, you at the time you could go back years to whenever she was first like working on these mm-hmm. and like uh, trying to query them like agents and stuff and she had pitched it as Assassin Cinderella and mm-hmm. I was just like no it's not I've done Assassin Cinderella <laughs> yeah. this isn't that so I could see me saying that though yeah <laughs> oh, I do remember that <laughs> you said it a few times <laughs> yeah it's a distinct memory now 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 the Infinity Wars trademarked by me <laughs> Marvel can kiss my behind. <laughs> There's a few others where I'm like, wait a second. I did this first. Actually, yeah. That's exactly how it goes every time something like that comes up. Wait a minute, I did this. Actually, yeah, I did. I tell I tell my kids at school, great minds think alike. They're like, you stole my answer. Great, great minds, minds think, think alike. alike. Get you some copyright, babe. <laughs> Picturing one in particular. <laughs> All the time. All the time. All the time. All the time. Everything. Anyway. So, yeah. Like, while reading this, I got Divergent. I got Hunger Games. I got Throne of Glass. I got Ninja Warrior. Oh, yes. I got yeah, definitely Ninja How Warrior. How to Train Your Dragon. Mm-hmm. I got... There was something else. I don't know. I was just all over the place. And I was mm-hmm. like, this is fun. I had a great time with it. Did you know? 
No. <laughs> I was like, that's a lie. It's so funny because you were like, I finished it. And I said, uh-oh. And you're like, no, it wasn't bad. I just have a few talking points. Yes. And then you're, since then you've been like, uh-huh. Yeah, you oh. just exploded with all of the stuff I was waiting on y'all to wa- watch. I don't know why I keep doing that. I was waiting on y'all to read it before I said my opinions. Because I knew I y'all mean, were. thank you for that. I knew y'all were going like to have. having voices in my head. <laughs> I knew y'all were going to have. <laughs> different opinions and i didn't want to is spoil it always pains <laughs> yes no. <laughs> it's always mine should we start please oh there's photo bucket again <laughs> photo bucket every time you say that it like dings something in my head and it's like the memories okay there's no prologue nothing to ease you into this story it's also in present tense so that might be a little I had no idea until I was like almost done and uh-huh. Peyton's talking about her notes being mm-hmm. present tense and I'd look at it as I'm reading it and I'm like it, it sure is in present tense yeah, which a- used to bother me but it doesn't anymore mm-hmm. I think it's well placed in this one yeah. because you're going like this is a very action packed book and it's once again Hunger Games also had present tense to it what? <laughs> Me having read those books like three or four times. Because you want to be in the, like immersed in the story. This book is set in what is described as a war college. On the first day, aka conscription day, a person declares their major or going into what quadrant they're supposed to be in where a person can either be a healer scribe writer and infantry or or infantry each chapter begins with an excerpt from a guide on how to survive in this war college according to the book the writer's quadrant is the most elite and deadliest section of the war college most do not live through the first year you got to get the first quote right the most famous quote <laughs> it's all over everything chapter one A dragon without its rider is a tragedy. A rider without their dragon is dead. Welcome to the fourth wing. (laughs) So the story begins on conscription day. Violet, our leading lady, with a normal name. Yay! The only one. Is preparing to leave her home and more than likely die before she will see it again. Her thoughts are interrupted by her older sister, Mira, a.k.a. Lieutenant Sorengill, and her mother, General Sorengill. Arguing over Violet joining the writer's quadrant. Both Mira and her mother are highly rena- renowned. Renowned. Both Mira- I kept slipping up and saying it when I'm <laughs> I know. Both Mira and her mother are highly renowned writers. Mira believes Violet will be killed if she were to enter the writer's quadrant. Quadrant. <laughs> Their mother is refusing to budge. Mira and General Sorengill seem to be just alike in appearance and attitude. From the book, we have an excerpt. She's everything I'm not, and the disappointing shake of mom's head says she agrees. I'm too short, too frail. What curves I do have will, should be muscle. And my traitorous body makes me embarrassingly vulnerable. Mom walks towards us, her polished black boots gleaming in the mage lights that flicker from the sconces. She picks up the end of my long braid, scoffs at the section just above my shoulders with the brown strands, start to lose their warmth of color and slowly fade to a steely metallic silver by the ends, then drops it. Pale skin, pale eyes, pale hair. Her gaze siphons every ounce of my confidence down to the marrow of my bones. It's like that fever stole all your coloring along with your strength. Grief flashes through her eyes and her brows furrow. I told him not to keep you in the library. It's not the first time I've heard her curse the sickness that nearly killed her when she was pregnant with me. 
or the library dad made my second home once she'd been stationed here at Bazgayath as an instructor and he as a scribe. So Mira's mother, writer, dad, scribe, or Violet and Mira's mother. Violet tells her mother that she loves the library her father had frequented with her. General Sorengale says, spoken like the daughter of a scribe. <laughs> Violet points out that she is the daughter of a scribe. Mm-hmm. This is what you know. She's, she's got a little bit in her. Yeah. She's got to deal with this woman. Mm-hmm. She's like, hold up. Did you even love my dad? What's happening? Her mom says that she's the daughter of a writer. Therefore, she will be a writer. She will not allow her child to be anything else. Mira and the general continue arguing. Mira tells her that Violet is too fragile to be a writer. General Sorengale says Violet deals with so much pain before lunch that she would be the most likely of her children to make it as a writer. Here it comes. Here it goes. <laughs> so it's never. How do I want to start this? Named? It, no, it's not the name. We've been over this. It has nothing to do with the name. My problem is they keep talking about Violet being weak. They keep mentioning it. They mention her muscles having problems. Mm-hmm. They mention her joints having problems. Mm-hmm. But it's never described. Like, it's never told, oh, I can't use, I, uh, my muscle never builds or it tears easily or <laughs> I'm in, I injure easily because of something. Like, just any kind of description because all you know is that she's been in pain it only says this hurts i have an owie because of my thing not any but it shows her getting hurt throughout the book yes it shows her getting hurt but it never describes why like what's wrong with the muscle it shows her getting hurt i think it does like no it doesn't at one point i'm sure it does like I remember something. I don't remember what point it is, but they talk about like a tear or something. They talk about a tear, but they don't talk about how if it's that's my problem. They talk about a tear, right? Mm -hmm. They don't talk about if that's because of the because of what happened. I just assumed it was like that's the problem. Well, anything that happens to her, I mean, I'm just going to assume like it has to do with her. Her illness. So, so they they describe like her being ill or different at the first chapter from where her mother was sick while she was pregnant with her. Yeah. Okay. So I think the point of this is is that she's not Rebecca Yaris is not going to fully name first off name. I'm, what? Hang, <laughs> I, hang, I'm not done Hold yet. Up. Hang on. She's not going to name it because this is a fantasy book. And two. She's not going to just fully flat out say this is what it is because she wants you to be shown it through all the stuff that's happening to her and make the assumptions from her being sick, her mother being sick with her, that this is what caused it. So, yeah, she's not going to go full explanation on it, but it's based on that as the premise. Mm -hmm. I get that, but I wish just a couple more details here and there, just sprinkled. See, I didn't need them. I need them. I wanted to know what it is. Um, Like, is it just regular exertion? Is it impact-based? Like, what's going on? It never really fully goes, never says anything like that. It's just, I got an owie, I hit my leg, and now it needs wrapped. Yeah, I still don't agree with that. (laughs) I have to re-read it to see if I... I know y'all don't agree, but I'm saying I I just have an issue with it because I was looking for it and couldn't find it. Mm -hmm. Like, I wanted that just little extra tidbit of information. Not a name. I never said a name. I don't want a name. I don't want 
it to be like, oh, I have this, this, and this wrong with me. I want just a, I would like just a little bit more. Mm-hmm. See, I guess that's, emphasis that's my it. thing. Based on what she wrote about her mother being sick when she was pregnant with her, mm-hmm. my assumption reading any of the first chapter was she has some kind of syndrome. It's not going to be named. That was my immediate assumption. Yeah, and that's fine. That's not the problem. I just wanted just details, like just a few details as she gets hurt. Okay. Because like Dane knows it. Mm-hmm. That's why he's worried, right? Mm-hmm. Why don't we know it? Well, we got four of the books to find out. That's the problem. I should not have to read four books. Hey, <laughs> How many series have you read? A good few, but that don't mean that... You're not going to get all the answers. I don't want want all the answers. I want one particular... I want one answer. You want all the answers. I love open-ended books. You want all the answers. I don't want... No! I'm just saying, it's a... I feel like it's a... It's telling me and it's not showing me. That's my problem with it. I mean, I'm not... Like, I mean, I don't remember. I just, I know what I know and I know what I think. Um, And that's like, it didn't bug me. I kind of got the message of it. Mm-hmm. I assumed anytime she got like aggressively hurt, it was because of this. Mm-hmm. And I, I didn't need a name for it because it's a fantasy. And as someone who's like written fantasy mm-hmm. and has put like diseases in there. Like, mm-hmm. I was fine with how it came across. Yeah. Um, I will go ahead and say, like, I did Google, like, what was it? If there was, like, out there on, on the interweb, um, a name for it. And it is based off of, um, I can't say things, EDS, which is Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome. Yeah. Um, and Rebecca Yaros actually has this. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of like, oh, I know about this. Let me give this, this uh, female character in this fantasy book. Mm-hmm. something i know of very well and mm-hmm. like watch her in this fantasy world like yeah self insert way and uh the symptoms are like overly flexible joints due to the looser connective tissue um stretchy fragile skin and chronic pain okay and, like that's what you see from violet no that's what you're told you don't see it just saying i need you to come up with like the different lines because i just don't remember okay like how it came across in the book. It just, it bugged me. Like you said, okay, she doesn't, it's only told that she goes through pain every day. Like it's not necessarily shown. Rupa's going to read half the book sitting here trying to find, trying to find it. I'm trying to find the, the the part where they talk about her mother being sick when she was. It's right there. Just she it. just read it. I highlighted it and put it in the notes. It's you're right. It's there, and that's fine. But I'm saying I didn't know anything about the fragile skin. Did you? Was it in? I'm saying, did you glean I that? The, I thought they talked about her bruising easily. A lot of people anemics bruise easy. Hey, I'm just saying. Stop. I'm just saying. Like, there's a whole other. I bruise easy. Okay, so you wanted them to show just enough. You don't want me to go back to naming it though. I wanted. It. I, I just don't understand what you want. I wanted. <laughs> I guess that's what I don't understand either. Okay. I wanted I need evidence. I wanted Violet to be like, to be like, I'm, it's almost like it's forgotten halfway. Does that make sense? Like, I stay in pain. I deal with this, my level. Does that make sense? Like, let, let, let me put it back on this. I think based on a theory I've seen about 
Violet that this will come up later and it will give well, yeah. more explanation later. Well, yeah. Yeah. I think it's not in this first book because as Caitlin brought up before, she Violet's an unreliable narrator. <laughs> and also I got a I got a point oh about my that too. Gosh. <laughs> my brain still hurts from that one. I'm I'm not there. Yeah, I'm not there yet. And I I mean I don't I think I'm beginning to experience chronic pain, but like I'm not someone who goes through that, mm-hmm. so I don't know how much it like stays in the forefront of your brain all mm-hmm. the time. Mm-hmm. So like I don't know if maybe that's part of why you why you think she's like forgetting about it. It's not her for. I'm not saying that. Like I just I get what. Hold on. I'm trying to describe why I don't like it, and it's it all comes down to we're only told it from other people that she goes through pain. We're only given. Oh, my joints. Okay. You get what I'm saying? Okay. But here's my thing. And like whenever you first mentioned it and your little quote, like she should have said this. Mm -hmm. It goes back to the showing versus telling thing. Mm -hmm. And like you're wanting her to tell us through her narrative, her first person narrative Mm -hmm. about her pain and what she's going through instead of like seeing it. I want it seen. Like I want something. I want something. I wanted more of it, I guess is what I'm getting at. I wanted just a little bit more of it. Like, I can't describe it in... I just feel like it was never really... Maybe it got cut out in the editing room floor. That's what I'm saying. Like, just a few lines just weren't quite... I mean, it might have been like Rebecca... Rebecca. um, Just like, she experiences this. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And maybe she put so much in it. And mm-hmm. and editing, they were like, "Hey, like, let's give the readers a little bit less." And that might be it. Mm-hmm. That's that's what I'm getting at. I, yeah. th- now, does it make sense? Sure. <laughs> no, <laughs> I, I get want, where you're coming from. Yeah, I just wanted a few, not even just like Violet being like, "Oh, I'm." But so I, I still want to see like the evidence of like yeah your qualms. Like, I'll go through it and okay. I'll explain. Because it just, I feel like it's just short, mm-hmm. short levels of it, mm-hmm. I guess, is my thing. And I think it. that just like a little sprinkle yeah, throughout was mm-hmm. kind of the intention. And I see that with a, a lot of books I read mm-hmm. where uh, people experience like disabilities and uh, chronic illnesses and stuff mm-hmm. where if, if it's not part of the plot, mm-hmm. they're not going to be so heavy on it all the time because it yeah. is heavy. Mm-hmm. Like reading about someone who's chronic like experiences chronic pain all the mm-hmm. time that's heavy i just feel like it would have impacted me more if there mm-hmm. was more of it does that make sense like i would feel more like see how far she's come with this you know yeah no no punches were thrown no they were close not yet no i'm <laughs> just i'm trying to explain myself and i don't know if i'm doing a very good job but uh, let's see. So they're still arguing about uh, Violet joining the writer's quadrant. <laughs> I can't say that word. That's that's sad. Mira asks if General Sorangel is ready to bury another child. Violet cringes at this. The family makes the point not to bring up Violet and Mira's older brother, Brennan, who died on duty. The general kicks Mira out and then turns to Violet. She informs Violet that she will not be able to speak to her because of her rank or both of their ranks, I guess. And there's likely a target on her back because she's a soaring target on Violet's back. 
because of her mother's reputation. The general tells Violet that she'd see her at threshing. This is not explained yet. We will get to it. And she also addresses her as candidate. Then she corrects herself and says that Violet will be a cadet by sunset. Violet thinks pessimistically or dead. Violet leaves after her mother dismisses her. You just like see how weird their relationship is. Yeah. Like it's very... Her mother lives kind of in a fantasy land. Offhand. <laughs> they all live in a fantasy land. <laughs> I guess so. Uh, meanwhile, Mira waits for Violet to leave their mother's office. The two go to Violet's room where Mira drops to the floor and empties her pack. When Violet inquires what she's doing, Mira answers, what Brennan did for me. Then she asks Violet if she could fight with a sword. Violet tells her that swords were too big for her, but she's good with daggers. Mira demands that she drop her pack and get out of those horrible boots. Violet asks what is wrong with her pack and boots. From the book, this is Mira talking. She says, you're carrying way too much and your boots are a death trap. You'll slip right off the parapet with those smooth soles. I had a set of rubber bottom rider boots made just for you in case. And this, my dear Violet, is the worst case. Books start flying, landed in the, the vicinity of the crate. Hey, I can only take what I can carry, and I want those. I lunch for the next book before she has a chance to toss it, barely managing to save my favorite collection of dark fables. Are you willing to die for it? She asks, her eyes turning hard. I can carry it. This is all wrong. I'm supposed to be dedicating my life to books, not throwing them in the corner to lighten my rucksack. No, you can't. You're barely thrice the weight of this pack. The parapet is roughly 18 inches wide, 200 feet above ground. And last time I looked, those were rain clouds moving in. They're not going to give you a rain delay just because the bridge might get slick, sis. You'll fall. You'll die. Now, are you going to listen to me? Or are you going to join the other dead candidates at tomorrow's morning's roll call? There's no trace of my older sister and the writer before me. This woman is shrewd, cunning, and a touch cruel. This is the woman who survived three years with only one scar, the one her dragon gave her during threshing. Because, because that's all you'll be. Another tombstone. Another name scorched in stone. Ditch the books. Violet holds the Book of Dark Fables to her chest and tells Mira that their dad gave it to her. Mira tells Violet to leave the book. She will either die as a scribe or live as a writer. Violet holds another book. Mira asks, what it was for, and Violet explains that it's to help her kill people. Mira says she could keep that one. Yeah. <laughs> Priorities were made. <laughs> I mean, books are the best weapon. Um, But I just wanted to, I put that in there just so everybody could kind of get an idea of um, practicality over sentiment. Um, That is the entirety of their nation. Yeah. Violet changes into an all-black uniform that has certain adjustments Mira made in order to help Violet. Sheets for daggers and shrunken dragon scales to help protect her from attacks. These uh, scales are from Mira's own dragon, whose green dragon, whose name I feel like I we should clarify that there is indeed a corset involved. Yes. The armor is Corsed a... Her up. So the armor is a corset with the dragon scales sewn in. Mira braids Violet's hair and tells her she should have chopped the silver hair and left only the brown roots to avoid being a target. Violet reminds her that there was no point in cutting her hair because no matter the length, the silver was still visible. Violet also admits it felt wrong to chop off the only healthy part of her body. Mira reminds Violet that she is smart and it will be her best weapon. Caitlin? Uh, the quote that I found and I marked was, You're the smartest woman I know. Don't forget that your brain is your best weapon. Outsmart them, Violet. And I said this isn't the last time Violet's brain is mentioned to be her best weapon. 
And I think for a while, we've had like physically strong heroines. Yeah, thanks, SJM. Yeah. So, well, even like Katniss. Yeah. Like, she is very strong and capable. Mm-hmm. And so, like, seeing someone in a fantasy book that's not damsel in distress, Mm-mm. but also not physically equipped. No. Is... It, it's interesting to me. Yeah. Like, I like seeing something different in someone mm-hmm. who has to trust a different part of them to get by. Mm-hmm. And we do see her use her intelligence and um to get through. Yeah, to get through all of this. And I will say, even though I've been dogging on it, the weakness is a benefit because you don't want a perfect mm-hmm. heroine. Like, yeah. that gets boring. Yeah. Violet asks... If it was okay for her to be wearing grinding leathers since she's since the rider's black was earned. I'm going to repeat that sentence while you get up and get a cookie. <laughs> Violet asked if it was okay for her to be wearing grinding leathers since the rider's black was earned. Mira explains that the spare fabric of a tunic could help her not... I think we... You, we edited that together and <laughs> made a made a blunder of it. Mary explained that any extra fabric of a tunic could get her killed on the parapet, especially with the wind being up today. Guess it was all me. Mira and Violet say their private goodbyes. Mira tells Violet to look for Dane Atios. Atios? Atos. Atos. Dane Atos. Dane Atos. Atos. How do you say it? Dane Atos. Ados. Dane is a childhood friend of Violet's, who she hasn't seen in a year since he went to the Riders Quadrant, and it's apparent that Violet has a crush on him. He's great. I love him. Best best guy ever. <laughs> best we, guy. we haven't mentioned anything Zero about disdain for this man. <laughs> disdain. Disdain. Is it Dane or Dean? It's a Dane. But is he a <laughs> Dean? It's dis. I love. Dane. I love. Um, She's not getting the name. I love the name Dean, and mm-hmm. I love all Deans except for one. Except for one. We've been over this on the. I was draw. I was drawing a parallel. <laughs> you weren't going along with it. Mira goes on to tell her he is he is doing well and to not sleep with him because he is her superior. Just Mi- in case you got any ideas, Violet, don't. Mira advises only to sleep with first years, so no one can say that she slept her way to safety. That was kind of the point where I was like, okay, so everyone's okay with this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they enter the war college, Bosgiath. Bosgiath. I don't know. We had, so we, I looked at somebody pronouncing it, and Caitlin also separately looked at somebody pronouncing it. Here's the thing, though. It's Gaelic. Uh, the reel we posted at 7 has 235 views. Woo! Woo! Love that. And we've got two new followers just from that reel. That's awesome. We're so great. It's my, be- it's my beautiful face. <laughs> That's exactly what it is. It's the comedy, actually. <laughs> That's what we need to start doing. We need to be funny anyway. <laughs> we need to be funnier. Okay, so here's the thing. I looked up how to pronounce a lot of this stuff in this book because I can't. It's Gaelic. So um, I yeah. tried to get her to learn Gaelic, but alas. <laughs> it's Scottish Gaelic. And we found this girl on uh, TikTok. I evidently Peyton and I both found, found her. her separately. She was like, yeah, you've sent me this. And I was like, I watched this last night for the first time. You're a liar. <laughs> <laughs> she was like, oh, never mind. I just saved it. <laughs> she said most of these words and like the names of the dragons are based off of Gaelic words. And uh, the name of the college, Basgioth, means Deathwing. Except the fact that it doesn't. Yeah, she said, what, without the accent yeah, or something? Yeah, the accent over the A. It's palm wing. Yeah, it's palm wing. I like that, too. <laughs> They're all, like, psychics. <laughs> palm wing. 
Deathwing sounds cool. Palm Wing's the actual name. <laughs> so we'll be Rebecca's like. <laughs> and that's how we will be pronouncing it but, um, for the rest of the podcast. Palm but, Wing. Uh, there was a, another video I saw of this girl who was like, yeah, listen to the audio book. So I'm going to tell you how to pronounce these things. And she said Basgayeth, which is how I read it. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. It's whatever. We're going to mm-hmm. say it whatever way we please. Just I, follow along. I think initially Basgith was how I was saying it. If there's an I, it's going to say its name. I did not pronounce it in my head whatsoever when I was reading it. <laughs> no, because you read it in three days. <laughs> you, you did not think beat. that hard. <laughs> um, I thought these sounded very, um, I thought everything sounded very Gaelic, but that I was running off the high of Dragonfly and Amber. So <laughs> that could have. Like, Jamie! <laughs> Where are you, Jamie? <laughs> You're touching rocks every time you see them. <laughs> Trying to go I've been to trying Scotland. To, I've been trying to talk to Alex into taking me to Scotland. I was like, I swear I won't leave you, but I will. I won't leave you. <laughs> he didn't think I was funny. Did he understand the reference? He was asking me. Okay, I read. Um, funny enough, we were on vacation and I read uh, Dragonfly and Amber, and uh, I started Fourth Wing while we were on vacation. And so he was asking me about. Uh, Dragonfly and Amber, which you've all, if y'all don't know, it's the second book in the Outlander series. And so I had to explain it to him. And like, because the whole car ride there, they were doing like funny stuff and I was laughing. And then like a little while later, he's like, you haven't been laughing. I was like, they're in the middle of a war. <laughs> a war? A war. The main part of Bazgith is on a cliff or palm wing, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> this part holds the infantry quadrant. To the left, the healer's quadrant. To the right, the back holds the bell tower, administration building, and General Soringale's office. Under the first level is the scribe quadrant. Next to the healer's quadrant is the <laughs> Caleb's over here mopping out with her hands or everything. Next to the healer's quadrant is the parapet, a not-so-secure stone bridge with a canyon underneath it. The parapet connects to a rider's quadrant located on an even taller cliff. Maybe we'll put a PDF of the... <laughs> I've never looked up this map before. <laughs> I, I didn't did. realize it was here it, until earlier. It helps so much when writing the notes because I was lost as a goose. Their logo is so cool. I know. That's good college. I know. It's so modern. It's so I modern. love it. Best years, best years. Gathering hall. I mean, yeah. this is sort of what I pictured because I totally for- didn't realize this was in here. I yeah. don't know how I yeah. skipped to this part, but I did. No. The first time it was I. like a building. I was unsure <laughs> of anything about the parapet when. It's on my screen. This is now. kind of exactly what I pictured this, this part. This is what I pictured. We'll get there when we. I'll talk about the parapet in a minute. But. Underground? <laughs> yeah. They're in <laughs> the basement. Get that part. <laughs> Dauntless. <laughs> to forget, you would have had to know in the first place. <laughs> and Caitlin didn't. I'm talking about the part later in the book where they go and these. She's like, "We're going down," and I was like, 
and there's no air it talks about it specifically there's no no open like because because they don't want their books books burning up yeah so it's underground i mean when you when you have a war college with dragons i guess it is a safe bet to put it no it's really embarrassing because i was confused just now about what i had read i'm not gonna share okay are you sure i said one word i read one word and i thought another one it wasn't scribe it was a different one i was thinking writers the whole time (laughs) until you said books books anyway moving on okay while getting ready to sign in violet made the mistake of looking up at the bridge me Me. so (laughs) so this gave me a thought i don't know i'm sure other places have sky lifts and whatnot but the smoky mountains (laughs) sky lift wait you're gonna just show me a picture what the sky lift is so i can confirm if i have or not (laughs) i've been on it twice and each time, I regret my decision till I'm, like, halfway up it. <laughs> Me on roller coasters. I'm like, I don't know how I feel about this. Oh, I absolutely hate up. roller coasters, and it really cemented it when I rode the kitty one at Disneyland in California with my little cousin and my aunt. Yeah, that really cemented it. I hate them. <laughs> if I feel secure, I'm good. No. It's adrenaline rush. But otherwise, I'm like, <laughs> I'm no. good. This right here. Okay, that kind of lift. Okay. Yeah. Like your feet are suspended in the air okay. and you go. So like a ski lift. It's like a ski lift, but you're going up a mountain. Okay, that's that's what I mean. And the know. mountain part is what's freaky because like you're like, that is tall. <laughs> and that's We're like. We're going where? <laughs> We're going up there. Can we go back down? <laughs> like it wasn't bad. Like it's not bad as you go up, like once you get to a certain point, but the starting on the ground level and just slowly going up and thinking about how much taller you're getting. Also, you have to go over a road as cars pass by, and that part freaks me out. No bueno. I remember being eight years old, and uh, I went with my grandmother, and I remember she had to hold my flip flops so they didn't oh, yeah. <laughs> fall off onto the ground. And we're I wanted to do it. I begged to do it because I thought it was yeah. so cool. And then we get, we're going across the road as cars fly by. And I think as my grandmother said that I looked up at her with my huge brown eyes and said, Mamaw, I think we made a mistake. (laughs) Mamaw, I'm not so sure about this. I think we made a mistake. I was like eight. (laughs) She's like, Mamaw, I think we made a mistake. (laughs) And then I was fine after that. <laughs> like, going down's not as bad as going up for That's some reason. That's how I am like, on roller coasters. Like, the going up that first hill, I'm always like, I don't know about this. Can I get off? And then going down, I'm like, woo. Nope. So this part was really relatable in a way. I mean, this is more dangerous, obviously. But I'm, I'm always like, how many people die on this? Well, I asked about that because I've been on this aerial tramway in Palm Springs, which is one of these. Yeah. So that's why I was like, seems, what, what kind of lift are we talking about that here? That seems a little more uh, safe. The sky lift, like the one I'm talking about, is it's like a ski lift. What freaked me out was when we were coming down, and you got to remember, I was cool as a cucumber. And then I saw a, like, one-year-old on it, and he is screaming and trying to get, but, like, he's, like, yeah. moving and trying Absolutely to get. not. And I'm like sitting there like, this baby's going to, this baby, uh-huh. this baby, like, care, grab him. <laughs> oh, 
Uh, no for me that freaked me out more than anything because i couldn't get to that baby so do not if you don't do it don't do don't it don't do it unless they're a older child don't do it violet suggests letting others go before her mira tells her that would only give her fear time to grow which is correct that's like whenever you have to do a presentation and you're like okay which which number should i go i always do go first like when y'all are like what should we do and i'm like let's do it first i'm doing it first i'll go I'm gonna be I'm like, nervous I need either to scope way. out and see if uh, everyone else's is like where they're at. What and the usually, level is? Like you have like one good one go in front of you, then one bad one. So you're like, okay, I'm good. Yeah. They move down the line, waiting for Violet's name to be called. This is such like the sky lift. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. Next. <laughs> Violet looks over to see two people in front of her, a blonde guy whose mother was sobbing, holding his neck, and a dark-toned woman with short braids touching the base of her neck. She notices the writer who is helping the scribe has tattoos. Violet whispers, is he? he? And then, from the book, Mira glances and mutters a curse. A separatist kid? Yep. See that shimmering mark that starts on the top of his wrist? It's a relic from the rebellion. I lift my eyebrows in surprise. The only relics I've ever seen, ever heard of, are when a dragon uses magic to mark the skin of their bonded rider. But those relics are a symbol of honor and power and generally in the shape of the dragon who gifted them. These marks are swirls and slashes that feel more like a warning than a claiming. I had a thought. <laughs> a dragon did that, I whisper. She nods. Mom says General Melgren's dragon did it to all of them when he executed their parents, but she wasn't exactly open to further discussion on the topic. Nothing like punishing the kids of to deter more parents from committing treason. It seems cruel, but the first rule of living at Basgith is never question a dragon. They tend to cremate anyone they find rude. Most of the marked kids who carry rebellion relics are from Tyrandor, of course, but there are a few whose parents turn traitor from the other provinces. Blood drains from her face. She grips the straps of my pack, turning me to face her. I just remembered. Her voice drops, and I lean in, my heart jumping at the urgency in her tone. Stay the hell away from Zayden Rawerson. The air rushes from my lungs. That name. That Zayden Rawerson? She confirms, face lacing her gaze. Fear lacing her gaze. <laughs> what? Her gaze? Face. <laughs> she confirms, fear lacing her gaze. He's a third year, and he will kill you. The second he finds out who you are. Uh-oh. His father was a great betrayer. He led the rebellion. I say quietly, what is Zayden doing here? All the children of the leaders were conscripted as punishment for their parents' crimes. Mira whispers as we shuffle sideways, moving with, with the line. Mom told me they never expected Rawerson to make it past the parapet. Then they figured a cadet who would kill him. But once his dragon chose him, she shakes her head. Well, there's nothing much that can be done then. He's risen to the rank of wing leader. That's bullshit, I see. He's sworn allegiance to Navarre. But I don't think that will stop him where you're concerned. Once you get across the parapet, because you will make it across. Find Dane. He'll put you in his squad and we'll just hope it's far from Ryerson. She grips my straps tighter. Stay away from him. Noted. A nod. Cool. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> Don't die. Who do you think is the love interest of this story? Used to lovers. It's always the one that they're like, you don't go near them. You ju you want what you can't have. 
She's not there yet. No. No one's there yet. <laughs> She's scared. Violet's name is called from the table that bears names. <laughs> uh, I definitely wrote that. People's <laughs> like, here you go. <laughs> I read this line the- so many times because I was so confused. And then I rewrote it. And it's it's a hot mess. <laughs> and I'll talk about like why it's important. Too. Uh-huh. Violet hears her name called out. She notes that sitting at the table of the name callers is the writer, a writer she doesn't know, and the scribe she does. So like I, I was like, why is this important? Like, it, and then I realized like the contrast. Yeah. Of like, okay, I don't know these people, the writers. I don't know mm-hmm. them. I know and am comfortable with the scribes, but mm-hmm. yeah, I'm having to choose this. Yeah. Or I am choosing this. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, I, okay, I yeah. get why it's there. The man who called her name, Captain Fitzgibbons, asks why she's enlisting as a writer. Mira informs him that it was General Sorengale's orders. I love it. Everyone she comes across is just like, Violet, why are you here? Why are you here? What are you doing? Is there a mistake? (laughs) She's like, my mom told me I had to come. I'm stuck here. The writer next to the scribe is instantly starstruck by Mira, who is a high-ranking officer. Mira tells him that Violet is her sister and will be a first year. It's like dropping your kid off at kindergarten. (laughs) Well, she's also like, this is my sister. Treat her well. She Mm -hmm. needs it. She needs friends. (laughs) She needs a little boost in confidence. Some asshole behind them says if she survives the parapet. Mira walks Violet up to where she needs to be and tells her not to die she'd hate to be an only child they say this often yes they do (laughs) violet walks into the tower and not like runs into it like there's a door (laughs) 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 i'm here now no no going back so like to paint the picture better than i can write apparently um (laughs) so like there's a big line and it goes into the tower and it's like a spiral staircase in Mm -hmm. the tower that they're going up all right (laughs) now that that's clear (laughs) so confused yeah the woman with the braids from earlier and the blonde guy asked oh yeah that's where we're at okay (laughs) and the blonde guy asked if she's related to general Soringale. Violet confirms she is. As they climb the spiral staircase of the tower, the woman wonders how many people died on the staircase before reaching the parapet. Violet answers that last year, two and a girl that one of them landed on. I love how she just spitting out facts. Yeah. Like, I'm pretty sure it was rhetorical. Yeah. And she was like, actually two and then another yeah and they're like oh this is what we're dealing with yeah. or hermione granger of the bunch she really is though it's a me <laughs> it's a me actually actually yes that's the problem violet would be asking the same questions i am yep. about herself the woman asked how many steps there were violet says 215 <laughs> she's like how many steps are there then 250 ain't got nothing on that stuff <laughs> no God, do you know somebody was talking about Kimberly? Like I was, I'm okay. If y'all don't know, my boyfriend's from a rich people family, and all they do is talk about their going to like their Pilates classes or whatever. All the women, gosh, yeah, it's fun. Um, and I'm like, can you believe they wanted us to do a four minute plank? And it took everything in me not to be freaking Nesta and Cassie. You're like passing can never. He got up. He got up to five minutes. You're like these white women in <laughs> Old Town can do this. Yeah, freaking Faye War General. <laughs> it's like really Illyrian. That cracked me up. I was just like, and nobody. I, it was so hard not to say anything, <laughs> but like, nobody would get it. Would and they would think the re- I'm so weird. Yeah, which I'm dating my boyfriend, so they would 
understand, but because he's also weird. But anyway, not the point. We're not about to fight because I'm still confused. Reva, go, <laughs> go on. The woman introduced herself as Rhiannon Mathias. I love the name Rhiannon. It's one of my favorites. Rhiannon rains like a path through the night. Go on. The blonde guy is Dylan. Dylan. I also love that name <laughs> for a girl. Go on. <laughs> Dylan's a guy. <laughs> Dylan is a guy. Dylan talks about how excited he is to be a writer. Which then you're like, Dylan? Okay, so I have an error. And the biggest fight me and Caitlin's ever gotten into. There might have been tears. <laughs> there might have Caitlin's been tears. fart. <laughs> so, quote from the book. This is the only quadrant at Basgith that doesn't accept conscripts only, but only volunteers. So, as we read on page 13 and 14. These pages are like one another and then, <laughs> and then the this one. one like they're right next Just to, to each, each other, other. <laughs> The kids with relics are conscripted. And I was like, wait a minute. They just they just said that those people were conscripted. Caitlin, go on with what you were going to say. Okay, here's the thing. So Peyton pointed this out a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I was reading it. Well, she just pointed out that there was a writing error. And mm-hmm. I was like, haha, I probably missed it because I miss everything. Yeah. And then she said what it was. And I was like, actually, I noticed that whenever I was reading it. But mm-hmm. I didn't think much of it because mm-hmm. like, I'm barely yeah. into the book. And then I like, I kind of forgot what order it was given in because i like thought the quote about uh they don't accept conscripts only volunteers came first and then the one about zayden mm-hmm. being conscripted so i thought it was in that order and like i did some uh, mini research about people having that question and the first reddit thread i found was <laughs> like someone asking the question about hey is this a contradiction like what's happening and someone being like keep reading it's explained later. Keep reading. So I put that in the notes. Mm-hmm. And I told Peyton, I was like, hey, like, we might disagree on some stuff. And she types me back like a freaking paragraph. <laughs> and she's like, Caitlin, you're wrong. Like, Reddit can suck it. Because it's contradictory. And I was like, okay. And then I looked back in the book and realized what order yeah, it, it, it was actually written. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, like, I would like to say I noticed this before anyway. <laughs> and she forgot. I was just trying to play devil's advocate Mm -hmm. for Rebecca and, you know, explain it a little better. (laughs) I have another Reddit thread open. It doesn't have to do with this direct quote, Mm -hmm. but it says Violet's knowledge of the marked ones. And like the consensus was like it ends with makes me wonder if there are instances where Violet seems to forget things. Yeah. And then a lot of people talk about her being an unreliable narrator and like, how she only knows, like, I'm, I'm not talking directly about this quote anymore because mm-hmm. I, I do think there is some contradiction there or I, yeah. I'm just not understanding something about how she has, you know, lived like as a wannabe scribe and everything. So she's mm-hmm. done research all of her life, but she's just doing the research at her hands. Yeah, so she does Censorship doesn't. is a huge thing. Mm-hmm. So like she doesn't know truly about the, the traitors and everything. Mm-hmm. Like, she doesn't really know what's going on. Yeah. And we see that throughout the book. So her being an unreliable narrator is apparent. Yeah. And that's, I like that she's an unreliable narrator. But that point right there doesn't, you know. Yeah. Well, that's why. I think it got missed in editing. We are in a first edition book. Well, that's why I told Caitlin earlier, because I didn't read this thread when it was being texted, because other things were happening for me. (laughs) Yeah. Um, 
So that's what I told Caitlin today when she was like, did you not read that? And I went back and read it. And then I was looking at the what was written in the note versus what like is in the book and following the lines of her being an unreal unreliable narrator i think it was it's played off of the fact that yes it is contradictory i agree however i also think it's played off the fact that because violet's unreliable she's not considering the people who are conscripted because they're all from the traitors that she's not considering them people in in that kind of regard because she's saying no everyone else volunteers mm-hmm. but those people were conscripted but she's not considering the people who were conscripted as actual people and maybe that's it because like the way she like does the oh yeah like she's like, oh yeah, this is the only quadrant that doesn't accept conscripts, only volunteers. Mm-hmm. It's kind of just like, oh yeah, I knew that. Like, but yeah. it was right after her and Mira had that discussion. discussion. That's what kills she's me about really it. Really stressed right now. So maybe but, like she wasn't actually paying attention. Also, it ki- might have been an editing flaw. Yeah, I think that's the problem. I think it might get fixed with some later editions, or if not, it won't. I don't think enough people. Noticed, noticed it <laughs> according to the internet because i can't find another person being like hey was this weird <laughs> and other people being like yeah i agree everyone's like actually it was explained like this this is why you should write notes to every book you read <laughs> um apparently or you just read it and go with it or you're like me and i'm like i must have missed something anyway i don't know it's just i like the fact i like unreliable narrators it sometimes it's really fun in a book and I like that about Violet. But also bringing that up, who gets conscripted in other quadrants? That's the question. Like, who's forced to be in those quadrants? Find out in the next book, Iron <laughs> Flame, releasing maybe. November 7th. I'm, we're excited, maybe. I, I think that's ab- something that may be explored later. I think so. And I think it'll be interesting to see who it is. I think it'll have to be. It's Especially with, like, the group of people who come together at the end. I'm, I'm trying not to, like, give big yeah. spoilers. But I guess it's also partially not really described in this book. One, because unreliable narrator and then the her not knowing stuff because they hit it. And then also because it's literally just her point of view and she's literally just yeah. there. So, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Just, just a point we need to keep on the back burner in the next one. Maybe we'll find out who gets conscripted in the other quadrants. Um, also, honest confession, I didn't know what conscripted meant until last night. So... <laughs> I like kind of got it, but it mm-hmm. really, I didn't realize mm-hmm. it was a real term. Yeah. Yeah. An- I kind of got it. Your ancestors was probably conscripted. Definitely. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I'm here. My grandfather was conscripted on his wedding day because his uh, ex-girlfriend's grandfather was ahead of the draft, <laughs> was in charge of the draft. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. How you do it? Yeah. <laughs> you got so many stories in your family. <laughs> the drama. I know. <laughs> Rhiannon also tells how excited she is. Dylan asks them how their parents felt about them enlisting because his mother begged him to go into the healer's quadrant. Rhiannon says her family knew this was what she wanted, and her twin already has a baby on the way to carry on the family name. (laughs) Of course, Violet explains that she was told she had to enlist. (laughs) They're like, we're so excited to be here. This, this, that. And she's like, my mom told me I had to come. Yeah. (laughs) She was also conscripted. (laughs) (laughs) That's the irony. They discuss all of the perks that come along with being a writer, such as they have less rules and can marry right after graduation, unlike other quadrants. I find it interesting that this war college gets to tell people in the war college when they can and can't marry. Well, they're busy. They're like, well, you might die tomorrow, so maybe don't. Also, that that point right there, um, I wonder if it plays a part in later books, because I think it will. If not, hey, Rebecca, these are just some things to consider. Yeah. <laughs> 
you have full creative liberties. We're mm-hmm. not going to sue you. No, not at all. <laughs> not your gonna... ideas. We may We're critique you. you. We but, will. Oh. There is no may. We will. <laughs> Rhiannon points out that it is because there is a higher likelihood of them dying. Dylan explains he wouldn't die and showed them the ring which belonged to his girlfriend. He planned on proposing when their training was finished in three years. I mean, everybody can pretty much see where this <laughs> is going. <laughs> we were waiting and I was like, this isn't going to end well for one of you. I'm not sure which one. The guy behind Violet says that Dylan might survive, but Violet is going to fall right off. <laughs> you don't fall right off, Violet. <laughs> exactly. That's exactly how it was said. <laughs> they reach the top of the tower and Violet notices Rhiannon's shoes. The same smooth bottoms as the boots she had on earlier. Violet asks her what size she wears. I love this part. Rhiannon tells her, and since she's a size bigger than Violet, Violet decides to give her the left boot. Rhiannon agrees, and they hurry to trade. That's how they become besties. Mm -hmm. Yep, by trading shoes. (laughs) By the time they finish, the jerk behind them shoves Violet out onto the platform. Violet looks out to see the drop below and thinks about how 15% of the candidates died during this first trial. The reason? They test the balance and agility of the rider. If they can't walk a windy stone bridge, how can they ride a dragon? Same thing. Mm-hmm. Same muscles, right? <laughs> As they near the be- the beginning of the bridge, Violet sees tall, dark, and handsome <laughs> incarnate. You're welcome. <laughs> incarnate. She talks about how he's the most handsome man she had ever seen. Pause. <laughs> Emo boy. Guess who he is. Also, I, I saw so many comments before I read this book about how she always talks about, like, every time she sees him, she's like, man, he's so hot. I yeah. noticed that, and I got so annoyed by that. Every single funny. time. <laughs> I, I started, annoyed. okay, I'm just going to go ahead and say it. I just started putting Violet swoons in it, depending <laughs> on who she's swooning over. It's what she says. She's got, like, teenage girl energy she really does like he's so cute i mean she's a little more self-aware than some but oh by the way they're 20 years old yeah (laughs) that's a thing evidently all right one of the men next to him calls in calls him how are we saying it reorson Ryerson, Ryerson, however you want to say it okay maybe i'll remember that i doubt it (laughs) violet realizes he is Zayden, I see, I can't even remember which way you just said. <laughs> she said all of the above. I'm going to say Ryerson because that's how I'm going to remember it. Zayden Ryerson, her sworn enemy. Of course he's beautiful. Of course. <laughs> of course he's beautiful. I am Violet. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> like, damn it. Of course he's beautiful. If he has an uglier face, I can hate him more. <laughs> but he's pretty and I'm going to die. <laughs> I really wish she had said some of this out loud, like, in front of these people. <laughs> it looks could kill a man, those eyes. <laughs> no, if I really was violent, that's what would <laughs> Damn it, you are pretty. <laughs> Say it exactly like that. On the parapet, she's like, well, <laughs> It'd be hot. It'd yeah. be hot too. And he's like, he's like, he's like what? who's that? She's like, hey, hey, baby, what's your name? And she's like, Violet Storm. My <laughs> Violet. And then they call her name, and she's like, damn it, Rhiannon, Violet Sorgo here. <laughs> damn it. And he's like, you. <laughs> she's like, not me. She's like. He's still hot. <laughs> and then points to Rhiannon, who's a black woman. <laughs> That's General Storingale's daughter. <laughs> Didn't you know? She's mixed race, okay? Mira got all the white jeans. Violet did not. 
why I could never actually write, sit down and write a book. Because I would get turned up in the funny part because I'm an idiot. <laughs> it's all hypotheticals and no serious plot. You may go on. You may go? Okay. I don't know where we're at anymore. Still on chapter one? <laughs> no, yeah, we're at the very end. Rhiannon asks, you ready for this, Soren Gale? <laughs> Are you ready for it? Dun, 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 dun. dun. <laughs> Fourth wing playlist. <laughs> Violet's in her reputation era. Yes. Zayden steps toward them and says she was General Soringale's youngest child. Violet counters by saying he is Finn Ryerson's son. He's like, I know who you are. And she's like, I know who you I, are. I know who you are. <laughs> I know who you are. Tall, dark, and handsome and Carmen. <laughs> Rhiannon's like, anyway, I'll kill you. I'll kill you first. He's like kind of scared. <laughs> <laughs> That's how we like our men. <laughs> a little bit scared. Just a little bit terrified of you. Violet worries about him throwing her into the canyon. Zayden says that her mother executed his father. Violet, now pissed, points out that his father killed her brother. Zayden brushes this off and points out the riding leathers that must have come from her sister. Violet holds her ground and agrees. Zayden falls his hands into fists. All I can see now is the author meme. Imagine her, like, trying to look so big. I knew it. In front of Zayden. Like, she thinks he's hot. I'm sorry. She, like, she's trying to look so big in front of Zayden. So she thinks he's hot, but then he's, like, talking to her like this. So she's, mm-hmm. like, puffing out her chest a little bit. Mm-hmm. Just, like, trying to show off. All right. Quoted from the end of the chapter in the book. You all right? Rhiannon asks her, gaze jumping between Zayden and me. He glances at her. Your friends? We met on the stairs, she says, squaring her shoulders. He looks down, noting our mismatched shoes and arches a brow. His hands relax. Interesting. Are you going to kill me? I lift my chin another inch. (laughs) His gaze clashes with mine as the sky opens and rain falls into a deluge, soaking my hair, my leathers, and the stones around us in seconds. Oh, wet leather. A scream rends the air, and Rhiannon and I both jerk our attention to the parapet, just in time to see Dylan slip. I gasp, my heart jolting into my throat. He catches himself, hooking his arms over the stone bridge as his feet kick beneath him, scrambling for a purchase that isn't there. Pull yourself up, Dylan! Rhiannon shouts, Oh, gods! My hand flies to cover my mouth, but he loses his grip on the water slick stone and falls, disappearing from view. The wind and rain still any sound his body might make in the valley below. They steal the sound of my muffled cry, too. Zayden never takes his eyes from me, watching silently with a look I can't interpret as I bring my horrified gaze back to his. Why would I waste my energy killing you when the parapet will do it for me? A wicked smile curves his lips. Your turn. This is when I knew Rebecca was going to be killing off people. And I was here for it. It is a Game of Thrones kind of time. All the time. Yeah, it is actually really very much that. (laughs) I was like, they're not going to make it. They're not going to make it. Chapter two. Finally, there is a misconception that it's kill or be killed in the writer's quadrant. Writers as a whole are out to assassinate other cadets. (laughs) Cadets. Unless there's a shortage of dragons that year or a cadet is a liability to their wing. Then things may get interesting. That's from Major Avendra's Guide to the Writer's Quadrant. Violet keeps reminding herself, I will not die today, as Zayden stares her down. So she's no longer thinking, damn, he's hot. She's thinking, he ain't gonna kill me. No, it's more like, I'm not gonna die today. I'm not gonna die today. I'm not Mm -hmm. gonna die today. (laughs) 
Rhiannon steps up, giving her name to the writer keeping tally. She stops at the beginning of the parapet and shouts over the storm that she will see Violet on the other side. The role attendant asks for Violet's name. As she says it, she hears thunder. The sound comforts her. Violet looks to find Rhiannon walking the parapet with her arms out for balance, already a fourth of the way down it. Violet feels a gust of wind as she holds onto the stones before she can step out, and she has to grip the stones for balance. The candidate behind her makes fun of her for being a weakling. Violet hears them ask for the name of that candidate, and he tells them it's Jack. And we get to see Jack a little bit more throughout the book. A little. <laughs> Zayden orders Violet to start moving. As Violet makes her way down the parapet, she recites the history of the continent. I noticed this, and you noticed this. Mm-hmm. You I thought it... Yes. Okay. I thought it was a smart yeah. move on world but bidding. also, you both brought it up before I could even really get yeah. to that so i think it's a smart move on world building yeah. but like it's not import, like paramount to the story right now so i've left it out for obvious reasons yeah but she recites the history as she goes down i like realized it halfway through this part i was just like why is she telling us all this and i was like oh like for us as the readers world building for her it's like how her little her little brain is getting through this right now mm-hmm. which is good i mean like that's kind of what you do you sing a song you yeah. You distract yourself any way you can. Yeah, you gotta have a distraction or this is not working out. <laughs> the thunder cracked and a huge gust of wind knocked Violet sideways. Violet catches herself and grabs the sides of the bridge while crouching down. Violet continues to recite, recite the history of the land. She notices that Rhiannon is three-fourths of the way down. She's proud of this, thinking that Rhiannon deserves this. Aww. We love g- best congratulating our new bestie. She looks behind her to see Jack just standing one-fourth of the way down the parapet. He seems completely unfazed by the wind and standing with his arms at his sides. Violet could swear he is smiling. Violet realizes she needs to hurry because she doesn't know what he's planning. She's like, if he catches up to me, I'm screwed. She makes herself stand up to walk for the next big gust of wind. She looks behind her to find Jack throwing the person behind him off the parapet. He just swipes them off. Jack turns to her and says, you are next. He gives Kato from Hunger Games vibes. I was thinking, I was like, it's someone from Hunger Games. Yeah, it's It's Kato. Kato. Definitely. Violet hurries to get down the parapet. She will not die because of some murderous asshole. Jack taunts her, asking if she'll scream. Violet continues to hurry as Jack is gaining on her. She finally reaches the stone siding of the parapet. This is from the book. You think you'll be safe in here? Jack's voice is harsh and close. Secure on both sides of the wall, I run the last 10 feet, my heart pounding as adrenaline pushes my body to its max, and his footsteps charge behind me. He lunges for my pack and misses, his hand hitting my hip as we reach the edge. I hurtle forward, jumping the 12 inches off the elevated parapet, down to the courtyard, where two riders wait. Jack roars in frustration, and the sound grips my heaving chest like a vise. Spinning, I rip a dagger from its sheath at my ribs just as Jack skids to a halt above me on the parapet, his breath choppy and his face ruddy. Murder is etched in his narrowed glacial blue eyes as he stares down at me, and where the tip of my dagger now indents the fabric of his breeches against his balls. I'm so glad you got to read that out loud. I think I'll be safe for right now. I manage between ragged breaths, my muscles trembling, but my hand more than steady. Will you? Jack vibrates with rage, his thick blonde brows slashing down over arctic blue eyes. We described his eyes again. Every line of the monster's frame leaning my way, 
but he doesn't take another step. It is unlawful for a rider to cause another harm while in a quadrant formation or in the supervisory. Presence of a superior ranking cadet. I recite from the codex, my heartbeat still in my throat. As it will diminish the efficacy of the wing. And given the crowd behind us, I think it's clear to argue that it's a formation. Article 3, section, I don't give a He moves, but I hold my ground and my dagger slices to the first layer of his breeches. I suggest you reconsider. I adjust my stance just in case he doesn't. I might slip. Name? The writer next to me draws, as if we're the least interesting thing he's seen today. You're pretty small for a writer, but it looks like you've made it. Violet Sorengale? I answer, but 100% of my focus is on Jack again. The rain drips off the lower ridge of his brow. And before you ask, yes, I'm that Sorengale. She's had it at this point. Not surprised with that maneuver, the woman says, holding a pen like my mom uses over the roll. It might be the nicest compliment I've ever been given. And what's your name? Jack Barlow. There's no senator's little smile on his lips or playful taunts about how he'll enjoy killing me now. There's nothing but pure malice in his features, promising retribution. A chill of apprehension lifts the hairs on my neck. Well, Jack, the male writer on my right says slowly, Cadet Sorangel has you by the actual balls here. In more ways than one, she's right. Reg state that there's nothing but respect among writers in formation. You want to kill her? You'll have to do it in the sparring ring on your own time. That is, if she decides to let you off the parapet. Because technically, you're not on the grounds yet, so you are not a cadet. She is. But if I decide to snap her neck the second I step down, Jack growls, and the look in his eyes says that he'll do it. Then you get to meet the dragons early, the redhead answers, her tone bland. We don't want to wait for trials around here. We just execute. What's it going to be, Sorengale? The male writer says. You going to have Jack here start as a... Ooh. Eunuch. Eunuch? What is it going to be? I can't kill him, not at this angle, and slicing off his balls is only going to make him hate me more, if possible. Are you going to follow the rules? I ask Jack, my head buzzing, and my arm feels so damn heavy, but I keep my knife on the target. Guess I don't have a choice. Corner of his mouth tilts into a sneer, and his posture relaxes as he raises his hands, palms out. I lower my dagger, but keep it palmed and ready as I move sideways toward the redhead keeping roll. Jack steps down into the courtyard, his shoulder knocking mine as he walks by, pausing to leaning close. You're dead, Sorengale, and I'm going to be the one to kill you. Has him by the balls. Has him by the balls. <laughs> Chapter 3. Blue dragons descend from the extraordinary form line, known for their formidable size. They are the most ruthless, especially in the case of the rare blue dagger tail, whose knife-like spikes are the tip of their tail, can disembowel an enemy with one flick. Colonel Cowrie's field guide to dragonkind. Violet reminds Jack he cannot kill her today. Jack smells her for some reason and then walks away. He's a weirdo. He really is, though. It finally hits Violet that she made it through and her body begins to tremble. She tries to find a place to wrap her knee before anyone can notice the injury. Rhiannon approaches her and talks about how excited she is. Um, hang on, pause a second. I don't think, just in case people don't understand, she injured her knee from falling on the parapet, in case that wasn't obvious. We might not have actually said that. No. I don't think we did. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Someone didn't put in the notes. I sure did. There were little f***s to be given in the first chapter, because I was having a, I was having a hard time. I don't know if y'all noticed, but that was like four and a half pages of notes on one chapter. Rhiannon approaches her and talks about how excited 
she is, Violet agrees. Dane approaches her. Violet swoons. Dane freaks out and asks her what she's doing here. Violet's knees give out and she starts to feel sick. Dane comforts her, then rudely asks who Rhiannon is. Rhiannon tells him her name and explains that she's Violet's friend. Dane goes off saying Violet is fine and not to mention anything about her ailments. Rhiannon says she owes Violet a life debt and she won't cross her. Rhiannon then rudely asks who Dane is. Violet tells Rhiannon that he is one of her oldest friends. Dane asks about Violet's injuries. Dane turns to Rhiannon and tells her to go report both she and Violet will be assigned to his wing, second squad, second wing. Then Rhiannon leaves. Dane questions why Violet traded boots. She tells him Rhiannon would have died if she didn't. Dane insists she find her way out of the writer's quadrant. She'll die here unless she has found some miracle cure for her condition. For the thing they never described. There's that. They go to his room to wrap her knee even though Violet isn't allowed up there. They flirt for a little bit and then Dane tries to talk Violet into leaving. He insists on getting her into the scribe quadrant that she didn't truly volunteer to be here. Violet argues about her chances of survival, stating that she surpassed the challenge of the parapet. So she's already beating the odds. He goes on about wanting to keep her alive and wanting to save her. That her mom wouldn't really haul her back to the writer's quadrant if she walked away. Violet argues the general most certainly would. Yeah, I was like, Dane, do you know the same person here? Like, <laughs> he's in denial. <laughs> they leave Dane. thoughts about Z- uh, yeah. Dane. Zane. Yeah, <laughs> that's him. <laughs> they leave Dane's room. When they go back to the common area, Rhiannon finds them. She is with another girl named Tara. After some time, the last cadets cross the parapet. Did we describe the parapet well? Google it. Yeah, it is way too late. We just finished <laughs> talking a lot about the parapet. Yeah. From the other tower stands Zayden along with the other riders who are watching the parapet crossing. <laughs> Commandant Panchek makes the announcement that 301 cadets have made it. 76 of their peers have died on the parapet. Tara informs the other that the rumors say Commandant Panchek wants General Melgren's job. Violet acknowledges the statistics, saying that only a quarter of riders survived to graduation, and she hopes that there's a small possibility she will make it to graduation. From there, they start to divide the cadets into their sections. Violet and Rhiannon are called into the second wing, second wing, second section with Dane. Violet notices Zayden staring at her like he's plotting her death. He speaks to the second wing leader and then to the rest of the wing leaders. Suddenly, it is announced that Dane's squad will switch with another squad. Violet realizes they are moving to the fourth wing. Zayden's wing. Fourth wing. Fourth wing. I love how you were like, do we know what fourth wing means? <laughs> and you're like, yeah. yeah. My dad was asking me what fourth wing meant. And I was like, it has to do with the different sections of the, the war college about the dragons and stuff. And he was like, what are you reading? <laughs> Mom said the same thing. She's like, I'm, I'm so glad I don't read what you read. Because I talked about dragons and that was and that's where I'm she lost like, it. I need to read my dragon book. And my parents are like, well, okay. <laughs> the announcer leaves the cadets to their wing leaders. Zayden tells them their squad are the only people, that those in their squad are the only people not allowed to kill them. The others will try and... And if they want a dragon, they'll have to earn one. Everyone but Violet cheers. Zayden asks if they feel invincible. All but Violet continued to cheer. 
you feel invincible? She's like, no, I don't. <laughs> She's like, mm, I disagree. I say, I don't. The dragons start flying into view. Seven scary dragons land 20 feet away from them. Some cadets scream. What they think they were getting themselves into. Yeah, I really, that's what I thought when I was reading this. They've never seen the dragons before. Oh. Like, they've never seen the dragons up close. Like, even Violet hasn't, and she's lived on the War College her whole life. So maybe that's it. But also, it could have been the people that were freaking conscripted. A cadet from the third wing starts to run away, but one of the dragons incinerates him before he can get very far. Violet makes a note that now 68 people have died. She has little tally marks in her head. She really does. Two more people try to run. Violet doesn't look, but makes the count. Now, 70 are dead. She has the body count. Uh-huh. Zayden tells them that half will be dead by next summer, and by the time they are in their second and third years, two-thirds will be dead. Zayden asks if they still feel invincible, and then the dragons breathe out steam. Another cadet wets his pants. Violet realizes they want them scared, and Zayden tells them they're all just prey. He ain't wrong. He's really no. not. That's it. It's the whole book. <laughs> <laughs> this is the first three chapters. Wow, we finally it's made, a it, lot, made it's, it through. It's like such setup. He's like, okay, we got we got to get everything out there real quick. Mm-hmm. Real quick. So we yeah, can get real into quick. It. So we can get into <laughs> it. And I'm like, okay. Like, I've seen people complain about how, like, saying it's slow because there's so much world building. And I like, I, I don't agree. Yeah, like, there is a lot of world building and stuff, but as someone who hates world building, it doesn't seem that bad. Yeah, like it's not that bad to me. That's where I'm at. Um, what will happen next? Who knows? <laughs> I don't remember. <laughs> I guess we'll see. You'll see tomorrow. Anyways, thanks for um listening and staying yeah. with us mm-hmm. this entire episode. Mm-hmm. If you've made it this far, we'll talk next time more about <laughs> the fourth wing. The fourth wing. Remember fourth to follow us on Instagram. Let's call nothing pod. Bye. Bye.